Hallelujah. Well, this message is dangerous to your status quo. Status quo. Status quo. The grave without end. Hallelujah. I want to preach to you tonight about faith. Remember, this year on Wednesday nights is going to be a revelation or revolution of faith or faith revolution. That simply means that you're going to be equipped to transform, turn around those things that rule your life. And so I'm going to entitle tonight's message, Never, Never Doubt or Question Your Faith. When you do, if you do, if you fall for the bait, then it will break your connection with the providing God. You can find that. Let's go to James 1 and verse 2. James 1, 2. And so, if you doubt your faith, you will break the connection with your provider, which is God. James 1-2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. That word temptations is simply different types of testing. They don't come from the enemy. I mean from God. They come from your enemy. It says, and this is what you should know, that the trying or the testing of your faith will work your patience. That word, work your patience, simply means that it will cause your patience to become mature enough for you to use it. Now, patience is the ability to stand steadfast when everything around you is changing. Christians need to get a hold of that. Because this childishness that runs through the church Oh, I'm offended at this. I'm tired of that. I'm tired. Oh, get over your weak-minded self. Listen, we are soldiers of the cross, not babies of the cradle. And we need to grow up. Could I get an amen? Yeah, there's a time that we speak like children. There's a time that we speak like men. And so we need to move on, and we need to grow up. But the trying, the testing of your faith, if you will allow it, if you will work with God, then God and patience will begin to be designed and developed into your life. You will become unmovable. And so it goes on to say down in verse 4, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. The completeness of life is found in your ability to stay connected to your God source. Stay connected to your God source. Don't disconnect by questions and things that challenge whether God is faithful or not. And that's the only reason people's faith stops working is because they doubt the faithfulness of God. Amen. Why else would a man stop using faith? 
He stops using faith because he doubts the faithfulness of God. And then down in verse 6, but let it, in verse 5 it says, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth liberally unto all men, the providing God, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith. Let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth or doubts, questions, or is not sure about God's activity or faithfulness to him is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he should receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. How many of them? All. 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 If you show yourself unfaithful to God, you're unfaithful to everybody. Now, it shows us that patience is designed so that you can live a life complete with God being your source. God being your source. Now, when I talk about never, never doubt your faith, it is yours. It doesn't belong to God. It doesn't belong to God. Oh, well, God, well, God is God. But you are you. And what God has done for you, you are. And the Bible says that your faith is given to you. Ephesians 2, 6 through 8 says this. You are saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God. What is the gift of God? The grace and the faith. But it is a gift given to you. If somebody gives you something, you no longer need it, and they no longer control it. Right? All right. Okay. So when we see this, we realize that it is a gift of God. This faith is not a weak faith. Jesus has authored and finished our faith. He is the one that has taken it and tried it in the bowels of temptation, in the bowels of need, facing death, overcoming temptation. And Jesus used faith and sinned not. Now, let's go to Romans, the 12th chapter, verse 3. And I know that a lot of you know these scriptures, but I know them and I still need to go back over them. And I need to keep them fresh in my mind. Because sometimes we can all drift thinking that, well, you know, if God wanted me to have it, if God wanted this, if God wanted that, if God got His will, half of us wouldn't be acting like we act. Just a thought. It is the truth. And the world would not be lying in wickedness. And sin and unrighteousness would not be ruling where righteous men should be ruling. Now, Romans 12, 3 says this. 
For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, to every man, that's women too, to every person that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think himself soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. God hath dealt. Have you ever, ever played five-card stud in, in your center days? And when they deal you a card, it is no longer the dealer's card. It's your card. You can throw it away. You can keep it. You can turn it over. You can flip it up. You can do whatever you want to do with that card because once it's dealt to you, it is yours. When God deals to a man or a woman, he deals a measure of faith. Now that measure of faith must be enough to keep Satan at bay. If not, we would all be backsliders overnight. It has to be able to keep us in the power or the protection of God. It has to be able to meet our needs in a world that is based on its own strength. It is a faith that allows us at our discretion, not God's discretion, to partake of the promises of God. Amen? Sometimes when I, I'm ministering to people, I say, hey, how, how's it going? They say, well, you know, God's in charge. I say, yeah, well, let, let's dispel that right now. Where was God last week when you got mad? You know, God's not in charge. He can't even control you. And God is in control of the basis of all creation and the laws of universe, the laws of right and wrong. But he's not in charge of everything that you're going to do. You have a mind of your own. And you make choices. It's not God's will that any perish, but that all should be saved. All would be saved and act like it. I threw that part in there. But now, let's go to 1 John 5, 4 and 5. So we see that God hath dealt unto us the measure of faith. Now, whose faith is it? Who? Ours, absolutely. Doesn't belong to God. Jesus never said, now borrow God's faith. He said, use your faith as God would use his. When he said, speaking to the mountain. But he never said, we don't have any faith of our own. He said that God hath given us the measure of faith. And that measure of faith will not fail the owner of it. 1 John 5, 4 and 3. 
For whosoever, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Overcometh simply means whosoever is born of God is equipped to go into any situation that he knowingly or unknowingly gets involved in and his faith will turn it into a victorious end. So he overcomes the world. What is the world? The devil's kingdom. It is a kingdom ruled by Satan. People say, oh, I, I'm not ruled by any, said the man that had no sense at all. You are ruled by one, either by God or by the devil. There are no neutral uh, ownership when it comes to two kingdoms. You are either in one or you are out of one. You are either for one or you are against one. Jesus said, he that is for me is not against me. And so we have to understand every kingdom divided will not stand. So we as Christians understand that there is a world of wickedness. And you can be a part of it. No problem. You can be a part of any kingdom you want to be. If you Listen, if you're just hell-bent on going to hell, you can go to hell. But if you have turned your life around and you want to go to heaven, then you get to go to heaven. Amen. Amen. All right, so it says this, that he overcometh the world. In other words, wickedness, evil, sin, divorce, temptation, you know, all kinds of things that are in the world that are not in heaven. And this is the victory. This is the turnaround that overcometh the world, even our, what? Faith. Now, whose faith is it? It's ours. Somebody say ours. It's not God's. And then it says this. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, we discover that you and I have an overworld coming faith. Now, let me give you a big news flash. Anything that the devil is doing in your life is because of your, how do I want to say this, God? Uh, because of your agreement. The devil cannot overcome a born-again believer that is using their faith. But he does overcome the slothful, the lazy, the neglectful, the doing-nothing Christian. Those that could be free, but simply choose not to be free. Now, we as Christians should not give place to the devil. And that's your choice, nobody else's. Amen. Ephesians 4 says, neither give place to the devil. In other words, stop letting him move in. Stop letting him take over your affairs. Amen. Stop it. 
Now, I'm certainly not as adamant as the Apostle Paul was. But the Bible said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Bake him a cake and he'll sit down with you. Too many of us have friendships with the devil. Your hurts, your insecurities, your childishness, your uh, sicknesses, your diseases. If you didn't have them to talk to and to tell everybody about, you wouldn't even talk. But see, you've built relationships with them that identify you. But see, you're a new creature. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. All right. Praise God. Let's go to 2 Peter 1 1. That's 2 Peter 1 1. Second Peter 1 1 says this Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have, now this right here, this book is written to a special sect of people. He says, I'm writing this to them that have, read that with me, obtained like precious faith. In other words, the same amount, the same power, the same victorious, the same unfailing faith as I have, I'm writing to these types of people. He's not trying to give you information to people that are not using faith that they have. And then it says this, with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Now, what did it say? We have obtained. Does anybody know what obtain means? Wayne, you got it on your uh, strongs there? Go ahead and flip that into your phone. Obtained. We have obtained like precious faith. You got it, Wayne? Who's got, another, who's got another? Anybody got one? Well, obtain means that you would have received or taken ownership of. If you obtained a car, you obtained ownership. Amen? All right, so Peter's writing to people that have ownership of faith. Now, I'm trying to get across the point that is not God's faith. So anything that's happening in your life that could be stopped by faith, it's not happening from the owner of faith. I mean from God. It's happening from the owner of faith. Yeah. Hallelujah. And then it says this, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Now, according to God's divine power, He hath given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Notice there are two things that God wants us to have. Life and godliness. And that word life is zoe. It is the God-desired life that God wanted for man when he created him. And it says, and through now, it comes through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Two things God has given us. Zoe life, the God-defined life. The second thing is godliness. Do you know if you are living ungodly in certain areas, the only reason you're living ungodly is because you are not using your faith. Self-discipline cannot stop lust. It cannot stop sin. It cannot stop temptation. The only thing that will keep you from any of those is the power of the Word that is released by faith. And then verse 4, it says, Wherefore, whereby are given unto us exceeding and great precious promises, that by these you might be partakers. Somebody say a partaker. Of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. Now, God gives us divine promises. Every promise has already been declared yea and amen. God's not a respect of persons. Promises are given to us and are made manifest through faith and patience. Faith and patience. Faith and patience. God's not a respect of persons. He never says no to anyone that has faith and patience. Amen? You're right. Hallelujah. All right. Every promise is yea and amen and is given to you and I and can be or really is subject to faith. You know, this Bible is about as useless as a fifth leg on an already six-legged dog. In other words, it's no good without faith. Yet it holds the every answer that man needs, and all it is asking for is what God gave you to activate it for your good. And why people choose to live way down here when God has exalted them and seated them in heavenly places and gave us promises that we could live the Zoe life and live a godly, righteous, moral, holy life is beyond me. It's not beyond me, but it is very frustrating to me when I see victorious people just falling out of the race because they aren't interested. 
Yep. But realize that every promise is subject to the faith of the one that owns it. In other words, the promise is neutral. It's God. It's not a respect to persons. But if you want it to make you successful and prosperous, then you are going to have to mix faith. Hallelujah. Now, let's go to Hebrews 4.1. Hebrews 4.1. This is not a new problem. It's the same old problem that generation after generation has. There's always a big segment that just doesn't care what happens in life. But I would tell you or challenge you to do this. How many of you want more for your children than start using your faith? Your job is not cutting it. How many of you want more for your family? How many of you want more for your wife? For yourself? Are you going to wait until Social Security shows up and rescues you from an oppressed life? Is that what you're waiting for? Well, you better start watching news. Because Social Security is not going to cut it. The way things are going, my Social Security is not even going to fill up my truck. But, we as Christians, just like every other generation, God offers us prosperity, blessing, wholeness of life. And because our faith just does not trust Him, we don't use it. Hebrews 4.1 says this, Let us fear least a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. The rest refers to the provision of God, every promise. That's the rest. And God wants us to enter into that, not need rest because of our labor. And then it says this, for unto us, was the gospel preached as well as unto them. Talking about the Israelites. Talking about the Old Testament prophets and kings and people. But the word preached did not profit them. So if it didn't profit them, it evidently could have. And that's what every promise in here is designed to do to give you the zoe of God and to cause you to live godly. And that's what God wants you to do, to be profitable. And then he says this, and it says, we believe to enter into, I'm sorry, verse 4, and he spake in a certain place of 
Oh, I'm sorry. Verse 3. <laughs> Hallelujah. For we which have believed do enter into the rest, as he saith, as I have sworn unto in my wrath that if they should enter into my rest, although the works were finished before the foundation of the world. Now, that's, I'm sorry, let's go to verse 2. Don't you like reading backwards? For unto us was the gospel preached, same gospel, as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them. Why? Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. What makes a man profitable or unprofitable? His choice to use faith. Being profitable is not just a life of chance. It's really not up to God. He gave you the promise and He gave you faith. Those two things make you successful if you want to be successful. Now, do you want to be more successful than you are? You want your kids to be more successful than you? Well, you can do like one friend I had. Uh, he sent his kids to uh, school. School away, home away from home. Spent $50,000 a year on each one of them. At the end of four years for each child, he had spent three quarters of a million dollars. Don't feel sorry for him. He could afford it. But, He could have kept them at home, and hindsight, he would agree. And raised them in the admonition and the nurture of the Lord, and taught them the Scripture, and taught them how to use faith. You know, I bury people all the time. Some I don't mind burying. And some I don't want to bury. And, and it's the truth. And, uh, well, which one am I? I won't tell you after you're gone. And then I'll only talk about it in my own mind. But so many times I see widows that it looks like they're just barely getting by, rubbing two mites together always willing to part with them for the work of the kingdom. And I see those elderly believers leave something far richer than money. You know, money, you can lose it by turning your number into Amazon buying something. Somebody steals it and pretty soon you're broke. You know, now they can steal your house, they tell me. I mean, they can just steal anything. Your identity, your house, your money. The only thing they don't take is your kids and your wife. <laughs> because those are deficits. They're not assets. 
Well, he that findeth the wife findeth the good thing. Yeah, well, why don't you try reselling that good thing? Yeah, well, okay. Now, what we understand is money can disappear in an alley. Life is the cheapest thing on planet Earth. It sometimes ends over a watch, a dollar, an argument, a fender bender, road rage. Sometimes just somebody angry driving by. So you can lose all of that. But I see these people that have stayed on course with God. Made God the primary thing in their life. And when they leave, all that they seemingly have left their family is a heritage of faith. An example of love, of kindness, of goodness, of giving, of service. Now their children might think, well, they left me nothing. They left you faith. They left you something that will keep you in the power of God, by the power of God, and will provide for you every step of the way. And even if you make your bed in hell, the Holy Ghost will be there to help you out. Oh, they gave you a whole lot more than what you think they left you. They left you faith. And I'd much rather have a heritage of faith than I would a million dollars. Now, I'd like to have both, but if I had my choices, I'd rather have faith because it could make me profitable. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, why did it not profit them? Not because Satan was so powerful. No. Remember, we are kept by the power of God through faith. The devil can't break a wall of faith. He said it about Job. Job had built a wall. You built a wall around him. God never said, well, yes, I did. No, Job built the wall. He did it by an obedient life of faith. You say, yeah, but he later on feared. Well, I understand that. But he hasn't lost near as much as you've lost living with the opportunity to use faith and not using it. Satan doesn't have any power. It is by choice. It's not because God is saying no to you. It's because you are making a choice. Not because God likes you less or more than somebody else. Don't deceive yourself. We're all on the same plane with God. It's because the owner of faith chooses to be unprofitable. Whew. Let me wrap this up. Jesus did 37 miracles in his life besides after the resurrection from the dead. 
After resurrection from the dead, Jesus did more miracles that could not be recorded in books, and the books could never be contained in the world. Somebody says, oh, that's impossible, said the man that will never have faith. No, I believe the Bible. Amen. Now, Jesus did 37 miracles. 31 of those miracles are not accredited to his faith. 31 of those miracles, like the woman with the issue of blood, thy faith, thy faith, your faith hath made thee whole. Jesus didn't say, aren't you glad I come by your way, lady? No. Your faith hath made you whole. She made a choice. Yeah. Matthew 9, 27, Jesus walking by two blind men, and they yelled out, Hey, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on us. And he said, bring them over here. And he said, what do you want? They said that we might see. He said, do you think I can do this? Do you believe I can do this? Yes, we do. Jesus said, okay, according to your faith, be it unto you. It wasn't up to Jesus at all. It was up to that man's faith. Now, I hope that you are so infuriated by the things that you don't possess that you can't sleep tonight. And that you say, you know what? I'm just not going to cave in and roll over no more. I'm not going to do it. Because today it may be a need that you just have to say, can I make payments on? And so you make an agreement that way. Tomorrow it might be, well, you know, uh, I had to borrow money from Joe or, you know, I had to do something. In some way you just had to lean to the arm of the flesh. But one day, something's going to knock on your door that you are not going to get help from, from your neighbor. Your mama, your daddy, your doctor. And you, just like me, are going to face a crisis. It can happen with a phone call. Phyllis and I heard today a, a guy called us said, could you pray for this woman? Philip said, well, well yeah, what, what's wrong with her? She has cancer of the nose. She said, what? He said, yeah, they're going to have to remove her nose and go seven inches into her nose canal. And what are they going to do? Put some kind of plastic thing. And try to seal it off to keep it from consuming her. Where are you going to get that at Walmart? Horrible. In the deepest regions of her body, death 
was growing until, thank God, somebody called and said, would you pray? Now, I expect the woman to go back and not have to have a, you know, seven-inch deep hole drilled down through her nasal passages to bones that are harboring cancer. I'm believing God that she's not going to have to have her nose removed. But if you don't use faith now, will you have enough patience to endure the pressure if life finally comes your way in an unfavorable way? Let's start using our faith. Amen? Hallelujah. Every day is an opportunity for us to use it. Let's use it. Stop letting the devil just steal everything without a fight. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, that you've given us faith. It belongs to us. It's ours. We can use it, God, to be saved. We can use it, God, to live Zoe life. We can use it, God, to live godly, to love our enemies, to love our wives, our spouses, to pray for our neighbors. God, we can use our faith to be kept from the power of the enemy. God, awaken us that, Father, you have provided for us, and we are victorious over everything of the kingdom of darkness. In Jesus' name, God, you are our provider, our source. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you. See you Sunday morning. Hallelujah.